Well, good morning. It's, uh, it's great to be back. Uh, my wife and I, we actually went to a senior pastor's retreat this past week with all the other Harvest Bible Chapel senior pastors, or as many as could get together, and, and uh, we met, well, we met in Orlando, Florida. It was hard. Yeah, it was tough. We had a good time down there. It was great to be able to interact with other seniors, catch up with old friends, hear stories of what God is doing in these churches across the nation. And really, internationally, we had uh, the Caribbean well represented down there. Uh, people from Eastern Bloc and Africa weren't able to make it just because of visas and all that, but did have a lot of the Caribbean and Canada and, and uh, basically all of North America there. And it was great to hear what God is doing. And then as we rallied together, to be able to hear a little bit of um, really what's on James McDonald's heart right now, he's uh, releasing a book this next year that, uh, kid you not, I think it might literally be used by God to help change where church is headed. Uh, it's, a, it's a viewpoint towards going vertical. In fact, the name of the book is Vertical. Right? Well named. And, and it's like, how do we make sure we go after him first and foremost? And it's going to be really interesting to see how God uses that book as that gets released this year. Uh, it's meant to really capture the heart of where we're headed as Harvest Bible Chapels and uh, what we're trying to do in each of these. So uh, God at work, you know. And, and hey, we're in the midst of a series here called Prioritize. Like, take your list and rearrange it to put the, the most important things first. And, and we've been going through Colossians chapter 1, and the first piece was value the gospel. Make sure you grasp the truth of who Jesus Christ in this world, in us, and, and that we are literally bankrupt without him. But with him we have everything. Prioritize, value the gospel. And then last week we looked at valuing Christ himself, specifically who is this great I am that we just sang about, this creator God who's sustaining, who's our savior. We talked about worshiping him last week. And, and so if we take the gospel and then we take Christ and we bring those two together into a dovetail and where do they meet and touch point with us, well, you get where we're at today and value his church. Okay, and we're going to start in Colossians chapter 1, verse 24, value his church. We're literally answering the question today, how? How do I do that valuing of him and his church that he might be glorified? we got ushers coming forward. They're going to have Bibles in their hands. And if you need a Bible, just raise your hand. They'll get one to you, okay? We're going to go verse by verse through this. So just raise your hand. They'll get a Bible to you. Colossians 1, starting in verse 24, value his church. All right, first point, how do we value it? Simply this. Persevere, be willing to endure suffering for the priceless glory of Christ. Be willing to endure suffering for the priceless glory of Christ. Persevere. We'll just start in verse 24. He says, Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is the church. Now I rejoice in my sufferings. It's official, it's in black and white, Paul's a masochist. Right? I love to hurt. Is that what he's saying? Well, actually, it's not. We'll see in just a second, right? But he does say, I rejoice in my sufferings. Rejoice. Like, you will notice inside and out a celebrating and a joy that is expressed over these circumstances. A deep satisfaction over what God's doing. Rejoicing in his sufferings. In his sufferings. Paul is literally saying, thank you, God, for all the pain and problems. I'm amazed by it. Well, what pain and problems did Paul have? Check this out. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, 
verses 24 to 26. You don't have to turn there, just listen to this. Starting in verse 24, Paul's describing ministry for him in the last few years. Five times I received at the hands of the Jews the 40 lashes less one. You know, if they whip you 40 times, they believed it would actually kill you, and so they did 40 minus one. So everything's short of killing you, but hurting you to the max, okay? Verse 25, three times I was beaten with rods. But that's subtle. Breaking ribs, breaking arms. Once I was stoned, left for dead. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea. On frequent journeys in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers. Everybody say danger. Danger. Like Paul was experiencing it to the max, right? Like I'm telling you it was tough, but to God be the glory. He says right after it, not only danger in the city and danger in the wilderness, but in toil and hardship through many a sleepless night in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. A little bit of a description of Paul's sufferings, just so we grasp it a little bit. Was Paul feeling it? Yeah. He says, I rejoice in those sufferings. Why? Notice what he says here. I rejoice in the sufferings for your sake. Are you hearing it? I'm telling you the gospel has gotten out further and stronger. I'm telling you, you have an example of perseverance. You are seeing God work through me. You are seeing him change me. It's a great example for you of the almighty God and his power. He says now, and in my flesh, I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body. That is the church. In my flesh, I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body. Did you know that? There's something lacking in Christ's afflictions. Does that almost sound like blasphemy? I mean, what could be lacking in what Christ offers? What are you saying, Paul? What are you trying to get across? And let's be really careful what we say here, all right? Let's analyze this very carefully. There are some answers out there. We'll go through the wrong ones first, okay? So the first answer that's out there Uh, The Catholic Church has uh, come out pretty strongly and said purgatory. There's a point where you have to go back at the end of life and kind of work it off. You know what I'm saying? It's not enough that Christ died for your sins and rose again and and that you believe in that. There's going to be some level of earning and it's going to go through purgatory and there's going to be sort of a cleansing process in the midst of that. And and uh, and we all say, "Eh." go ahead. Yeah, that's like wrong. Like, we're not saying that. Notice why we're not saying that. Look what it says. In my flesh, still alive, right? In my flesh, I am filling, present tense, currently, right now. This isn't about some future thing after you're gone. This is about right here and right now. There's something going on with the suffering. So it's not that. Eh, Wrong answer. All right? Well, what about this thing called penance, you know? Like, like as I've trusted in Christ, I still have to, like, pay a price. I have to pay a penalty. In fact, there was a point where the church was asking for cashola. Like, if you pay big enough, you'll be forgiven big enough. You know what I mean? Penance. And, and like, that's wrong, too. This isn't talking about trying to do anything with salvation. Salvation is absolutely 100% complete in Christ. His work accomplished for us. Let's not add anything to it. Amen? You got a proof for that, Tim? Yeah, I do. Hebrews 10, 14. He says, 
by a single offering, he, Jesus Christ, has perfected for all time those being sanctified. By a single offering, he has perfected for all time. Man, we better get it straight. Jesus Christ and his shed blood on the cross, his replacement payment, his rising from the dead, absolutely sufficient, more than enough for us to have eternal life with him. Amen? Let's celebrate our Savior and what he provides. Well, then what's lacking, Tim? You haven't answered it yet. Yeah, I know. Okay, so here we go. So what is lacking? What is he talking about? Well, if you notice in Hebrews 10, 14 that I just read, it says, By a single offering he has perfected for all time those being sanctified. Present tense, ongoing. You see, we experience an immediate salvation moment where our name is written in the Lamb's book of life, where we are adopted as his sons and daughters, where we are literally brought into the kingdom for all of eternity. Bam! The moment we trust in him. All right? Done and over. He declares us perfect in his sight. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. 100% done and accomplished. And yet at the same time, he grows us from one degree of glory to another. We are being sanctified. We are being able to grow into the very position he's declared legally for us already. Are you seeing it? And so what's happened is legal declaration done once for all. Christ absolutely sufficient. And yet now he's going to use the sufferings of this world to bring us along and grow into it more and more and more. Are you seeing it? That's what he's talking about. The amazing privilege of being able to be grown to look more like Christ. You know, I would say it this way. Christ has some sovereignly assigned suffering. Some of it he went through personally. Some of it he goes through somewhat vicariously, right? Like when he was talking to Paul on the road to Damascus, Paul hasn't been converted yet, right? Knocks him off the horse. He's like, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Are you hearing it? What you do to my believing loved ones, what you do to my body, you're doing to me. This is an affliction continuing on with Christ even after the cross. And while it serves a great purpose of growing us and showing us what we need to let go of and what we need to grab onto in him, there are some things that Christ is adding to us. And so it is saying there are some things that are needed in addition to the cross. And trust me, you're going to be going through some struggles. So please, every time you turn on the TV and somebody says, come to Christ and there will be no more pain, change the channel. Okay? Like that is not what scripture is teaching. It's come to Christ. I'm telling you. He's got a plan to grow you. And he's going to use some pain along the way to do it. And so get ready. And hunker down. And be ready to persevere with him. And, and let him work in you. And, and please hear me. Now, if you're going through a time where somebody is deeply angry with you. Or something has gone deeply. I lost my job this week. And well, why? I stole a thousand dollars. And they, God's persecuting me to grow me. That's not what's going on there, okay? There are consequences for wrong action, and that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about God literally saying, I'm going to grow you. I'm going to bring a tougher circumstance here to be able to shape you. Get ready, you and me, together for my glory. That's what he's talking about here, all right? Does everybody understand? Does everybody understand? All right, good. We got to make sure we get that. Our theology goes whack there. We are in big trouble. All right. Notice it says, 
for the sake of the body, that is his church, for those believing in him, the called out ones. Lord, change us and grow us. This is our battle cry. Lord, we are here for your glory. We are your called out ones, whatever you want. Paul says after it, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God. God assigned me. That's what Paul's saying. God assigned me. You wouldn't believe it. Should have been there when I got knocked off that horse. That's what he's saying. It was an amazing moment where I had an aha experience and what I was going to do, I no longer wanted to do. Everything was different because I finally grasped the greatness of this Christ. Jesus Christ, my my now Messiah and Lord. He said, I am a minister now for him. Ministry. Found this definition this week for ministry. I thought it was helpful. Using God-given gifts of the Spirit. Using God-given gifts of the Spirit to further God's kingdom and draw attention to his glory. Ministry. God-given gifts to further God's kingdom, bring attention to his glory. That's ministry. So we need to be careful because oftentimes we define ministry as using the unbelievable talents I have to help another person know that I really think they're special so that, wow, do we have this great connectedness and community, the end. And somehow ministry just became all about human to human, nothing else, when it's actually about divine to human. That's ministry. God's gifts, furthering God's kingdom, drawing attention to God's glory. Amen? Amen. That's what Paul's a minister to. Okay? He says, I'm excited about that. Well, it means he's nurturing. It means that he's feeding. It means that he's pouring into people, but God gives the increase, right? He's about the helping and the growing, but he's excited to see that it's God's power doing the growing, not him. And and so Paul's just a minister, somebody bringing along the hope of Christ and dumping it in front of them. Notice it says right after it kind of starts to answer the why. It says that he's done this, gotten this stewardship from God that was given to me for you to make the whole word of God fully known. To make the word of God fully known. Paul's goal, Paul's task is that the word of God might be completely grasped. That they might grasp the ins and the outs, the depths of what's in his word. This known. That's the purpose of ministry. This Known, not just known like in the head, but known like it's affecting your heart and it's affecting your will and you're living and you're moving and you're breathing and you're acting deeply in alignment with his word ministry. It puts the word of God preeminent. In fact, you'll hear us often say around here, one of our pillars is proclaiming the word of God without apology. Okay. Now he defines the word of God a little bit more here. Verse 25, he says, the mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. The mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. First of all, let's start at the end and we'll move our way backwards. Okay. His saints. So his saints are all those who believe in him. It's the same as the called out ones, ecclesia. If you believe in Christ, you are a saint. Saints are not the special ones who have been, you know, kind of run through an evaluation test and they've been voted in by the body as who seems to be most spiritual this year. And there's one person and we lift them up and we give them a saint tag. You know, that's not saint. Okay. Saint is not the guy who happens to be uniquely above everybody else. Saint is, do you trust in Christ? Is he your savior? Saint. Well, how is that? 
because we're actually being measured by Christ's righteousness clothing us, not by our righteousness and deeds and what we do. Remember, those are as filthy rags, right? So all of us saints with him. What an amazing privilege. In fact, every one of us here who trusts in Christ, saint. So think of it that way. Every time you see a word saint in the New Testament, just raise your hand in the air, all right? It's important. Like, when you see the word saint, oh, that's me. Like, he's talking to me right there. And Well, let's give it a shot. You ready? Are you ready? There we go. So the mystery, hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. All right. Some enthusiasm from some of you. It's a big deal. All right. This mystery was hidden for ages and generations. What does that mean? Well, I'll tell you this. They were grasping onto something that was coming. Jeremiah 31, 33, God was saying, I'm telling you, there will be a new covenant. And in this new covenant, I'm going to take the law. You know the law, the one that was written on tablets. Yeah, I'm going to take that and I'm going to write it on your hearts. That's what I'm going to do. And, and I'm going to call you my people and you, you are going to call me your God. The new covenant is coming and the Jews were waiting and they're hungry for it and they're looking for this expression. More than that though, Genesis 12. There was this conversation with Abraham and in the midst of the conversation, God says, I want you to grasp this. The nations, the families of the world will be blessed through you. And how's this going to be? And how's it going to meet itself out? And, and so far what had happened was there was Jews and there were Gentiles. And then if there were Gentiles who happened to come to the Jewish faith, they were sort of tweeners. Okay, and the best you could get was to tweener land. Like, was it really reconciling anything? And what's really going on? And what's happening with this mystery? And I'm not sure what the solution is. And and then enter Jesus Christ. Are you seeing it? Like the mystery of everything through the blood lineage of Abraham. Absolutely going to restore all. There is no Jew and no Greek. There's no male and female. There's no differencing. And there is one unity with him. And in the midst of life with him, he begins to write within our hearts the very law. He himself absolutely changing and transforming us. The truths and the mysteries of the Old Testament being revealed in Jesus Christ. The great I am. The one we looked at intensely last week. What an awesome privilege to experience the mystery revealed. That's what Paul was talking about. What a joy to be able to share that with everyone. It says right after it, To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery. Now, if you were a God-fearing Jew, you'd have gone, What do you mean you're making the riches known to the Gentiles? I'm telling you, this is the unity in the mystery that we were talking about. And the Gentiles being able to embrace it with all they had as well. The riches of the glory of this mystery, which is, which is, well, it's, drum roll please, Christ in you. That's the mystery. That's the mystery. Yeah, some of you actually got it. Drum roll please means hit your thigh repeatedly. It's not sounding like a drum, right? So I'm telling you, Christ in you was earth shattering. Christ in you absolutely stunning answer never thought of they're like oh yeah that does answer everything 
It is amazing how it's absolutely all about Jesus Christ and none about me. And it allows us to lift him up and be changed. And it brings you. Wow. It's all working together and we can celebrate him and his amazing mystery. He's the hope of glory, the hope of glory. That's our privilege to literally know him as our life changer, to literally be able to stand up repeatedly in perseverance because of the excitement of his name being spread, his glory being shared, his fame being made known. Our God shown off with all we've got, hanging in there through the balance, whatever he calls us through struggle-wise, that he might be glorified. That's the call of the church. Did you know that? So when we gather together on a weekly basis, we are here to worship him. Yes, We are here to bring him glory, yes. But we are here with some sufferings and some struggles. They're real, and they're there. And God's using them to grow you and to be able to bring himself glory. And may we all together lock arms together in perseverance to show him off as we all become more like him. Amen? Man, may he get the glory. Perseverance. You know, Andrew Jackson... A uh, president of the United States, um, well, he was being talked about by some of his friends who had grown up with him. It went something like this. How in the world does Andy, literally they called him Andy, how in the world does Andy get to be president? I mean, he wasn't that good. He got into trouble more than the rest of us. He didn't play sports better than any of us. He truly wasn't all that smart. What's up with Andy being president of the United States? In fact, they pointed to another guy there, Jake, and said, how about you? Why not you, Jacob? And as they talked it out, Jacob came to a conclusion. He said, do you remember when we used to wrestle? They said, yeah. And he said, well, you remember how I beat Andy all the time? Yeah. We remember that. That's the whole point. Yeah. Well, I'd throw him down and pin him once, and he'd say, again. And I'd throw him down and pin him twice, and again. And I throw him down and pin him a third time again. And then the fourth time I'm sick of it and I'm tired. And then he pins me and he goes again. And I'm like, I'm done enough. He goes, then I win. He said, what are you doing? He said, hey man, you can't stay thrown down. Bad grammar and all. You can't stay thrown down. Ever. President of the United States. I'm telling you, God uses perseverance. God uses you saying, Lord, I will not stay thrown down. Lord, whatever the circumstance, I'm ready to stand up. I'm ready to be taught. I'm ready to be shaped. I'm ready to be coming alongside of somebody who's being taught and shaped. Lord, we will not stay thrown down. That's how this church makes a name for Jesus Christ in this community. Suffer well. Persevere. Lord, I understand, and I'm not going to whine about the problems I'm in. I'm getting back up and dusting off and going at it again. So where's your suffering? What's God bringing your way? Maybe it's in the family unit. Maybe it's in the workplace. Maybe it's with friends. Maybe it's personally with some physical struggles. What's God bringing your way to grow you?
And are you ready now to say, okay, Lord, I'm standing up. I'm looking you square in the eye and I'm watching for what you are going to do in me. Hand it to him. Perseverance. It's a huge part of why we gather corporately to challenge and encourage each other to continue on. As Paul would say, to fight the good fight that God may get the glory. Amen. Perseverance. That's our first step in valuing the church. Second step, proclaim, share the greatness of Jesus and seek for all to mature in him. Proclaim, share the greatness of Jesus and seek for all to mature in him. He starts out in verse 28, him we proclaim. It was literally structured this way in the original language. Him we proclaim. Okay, normally we would put our subject first, right? We'd say we proclaim him, but that kind of puts less emphasis on it. So it's him we proclaim. Jesus Christ is going to get the preeminent position of talk in this place. We're going to share him. We're going to preach him. We're going to publicly declare him. That's what proclaim means. We're going to literally make his name and his fame and his glory be known. Him we proclaim. Notice it says we proclaim. It's not him the pastor proclaims. It's him we proclaim. Each and every one of us has a job. We all together as we rally together. If you are his called out one. If you are trusting in him. You have a job. To share what he's doing in your life. Proclaim it. Like you may not have a venue where you're preaching in front of hundreds of people or whatever. But you might have a venue where you're talking to a friend. And you can say you would not believe what God is doing in my life this week. Really? What's that mean? Then you get to share a little bit. Talk about what God's doing. Put yourself humbly before him. Let him be changing you. And then share that with the people around you. I understand that there's risk in it. I understand there's vulnerability. I'm telling you, you will be amazed at how God uses those opportunities to bring transparent conversation out. Be real. Don't be pushy. Be real. And let him hear what God's doing in your life. Him we proclaim. Notice there's some ways we can do it with INGs here. Every time you see an ING word, it's defining better how to do it, okay? So warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom. Warning and teaching. So warning, that is basically challenging the belligerent. Like they already know what the right answer is. They're just not doing it. Warning. You don't want to be doing that, bro. Do you know what I'm saying? Warning. Why are you playing over there? You know you don't want to be there. Come on, man. Let's get over here. Come join me on Sunday. Let's go worship him. You need to shake that off. Let's get away from what's taking you down and warning. Okay? Bringing the truth of God's word in a way that says, Oh, dude, please don't go there. You don't want to be there. Warning. Teaching. This is informing the uninformed. (coughs) This is, you, you really don't know which way is right. Teaching. Let me help you understand which way is right. So warning and teaching. It's let's make sure they get it. And then let's make sure they understand the challenge of staying on it. Teaching and warning. That's how the two play together, okay? You might hear another word, admonish, for that word warn, okay? Uh, The Greek word there literally means to come in in a healing sense and to bring them to another level, challenging their belligerence. Calls for great cheering. Yeah. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom. 
with all wisdom. Now, wisdom is knowledge applied. Okay, knowledge applied. And so with all wisdom, it means like, Lord, help me understand how to be applicable with this. This is one of the most unbelievable verses for what we try to do here at Harvest. Do you want a simple explanation of what we're trying to accomplish? There's warning and there's teaching with applicability. With all wisdom, okay? Like, how do I put that into practice? What do I do to go after that? What's it look like to be wise in this case? How do I take that knowledge and apply it to my circumstance? Warning and teaching with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ or complete in Christ or growing up in Christ. Our goal is that each of us looks more like him tomorrow than we do today. Our goal is that through the struggles, we learn to let go of self stuff and grab on to God stuff. That we literally can stop saying, how come they talked about me that way? And we can start saying, you wouldn't believe how great my God is. Let that settle for a moment. Can't tell me that's not hard to do. How much that gets to us and rattles us and gnaws at us when somebody thinks wrongly of us and it's not even the right thought. And they're like, if they just knew, I wish I could say to them, I think I should. Is it just me? You know what I'm talking about? Like we want people to think well of us. And it's not bad to want people to think well of us, but be careful. Don't make that your God. Want Jesus Christ to think well of you first and foremost. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Be willing to stand in the gap where he calls you to stand in the gap. And if someone chooses to dislike along the way, well, you're standing with your God. I'm telling you, it's a tough call, but it's what we're called to be and do. It's not fun to get an email and be reading through a frustration or a struggle they may have with you. Hypothetically speaking, of course. (laughs) And be wrestling with these things and going... They don't get what's taking place and how much they're being loved by their small group leader and challenging them there or or by us as we came alongside of them and tried to help them out. And and, and this email is scathing and attacking and, and I'm done with you and I'm done with the place. And I'm but really what they're saying is I will not let go of self. It's sad. But I'd rather be standing where I stand with a person who dislikes me a little bit more saying my goal for you is to be a friend five years from now, not just in the next five seconds. It's a phrase that my senior pastor used where I was up at Harvest in Naperville. And I'm telling you, it's a powerful word. It's not momentary friendship we're trying to maintain. It's long-term, life-based, Christ-glorified friendship that we're going after. Deep, God-honoring, Christ-glorified, letting go of self, friendship. Amen? That's what it looks like. All right? So then he says three things here that we want to learn about ministry. Three things that you need to know about ministry. All right? Starts in uh, verse 29. For I toil, for this I toil, struggling. So the first one, problems. Ministry is going to have problems. For this I toil, struggling. If you're in a ministry and there's no struggling, you're not ministering. I'm just saying to you, there's going to be struggles. Somehow, you're doing nothing but encouraging, even when they're doing the wrong things. You're doing nothing but patting them on the back. That's not ministry. There is struggle. There is toil. Problems. That's the first one, P. Okay, that's the first thing in ministry. But privilege, there is nothing like seeing people come to know Christ. 
There is nothing like seeing someone let go of self and have a victory moment and have the tears running down as they can literally stand up and say, I'm done with that. And I've seen God move in my life. He's amazing and he's beautiful and it's way more than I ever thought it was going to be. And thank you for going to the mat with me and for me. Privilege. It's the second part of ministry. So there's problems. There's privilege. And then the third piece, he says, with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. Power. Real ministry has power. Divine power. Not my power. Not human power. God's power. Unleashed in the place. People just can't explain what's going on. And it's an amazing opportunity. You know, one time a guy walked up to uh, D.L. Moody. And he said, I truly know for sure that God is at work in this place as you speak. And he said, why do you say that? And he said, because your words would never be moving people this much. It's just not about you. (laughs) D.L. Moody's like, I guess thank you. (laughs) I'm glad God's using me. And right, that's what it's about. The power of God at work in the place. That's ministry. There's going to be problems. It's with great privilege. It's all about his power. His power, his energy at work in me. When that's going on, You'll have a testimony to share. You'll have something to proclaim. You can proclaim it. I can proclaim it. That's what it needs to be about. Let's just take a look at this video real quick of the last baptisms to capture a little bit of proclaiming. Okay? We're going to do a little bit of thanking him for his work in our lives. As God literally works in our lives, we get to see and celebrate word by word, testimony by testimony, what's happening. That's why we've got 400 gallons of water here today. We're going to be doing some baptisms and we're going to be celebrating all that God is doing in this place, in our lives. tired of the life that I thought I was living that I thought was great wasn't fun anymore and uh, so I just started talking to God and I asked him what he wanted me to do and the first answer I got was go to church so the second time I've been to church since a kid was Easter Sunday here and I was just so bitter and I wasn't going anywhere I was looking to relationships and material things and I just you know wasn't going anywhere I lost a lot of relationships and uh you know, but most of all, he took my pride. I think it was God's way of saying, you know, all that's chasing after the wind. You don't need that. You need me. Freshman year, I started talking to Miss Palmer and um, McKenna, and they were talking about Ignite, so I started going there. And I liked it a lot, and I could tell there was something different about it. And I wanted to keep going back and see, like, how I could have a relationship with Christ like those people did, because you could tell they were just on fire for God. Finally, I started hanging out with my cousin. She just said, Michelle, you just just gotta pray. Why don't you start going to church? Well, it was through through people who used uh, people in my life. My cousin Rob, sitting right over there, uh, was a consistent witness for me. Really, I think a lot of it has been um, influence of people around me. He put a co-worker in my life named Sam. My heart was very hard and bitter towards towards God and towards Christians. And uh, he just melted it. It was, it was miraculous, you know. Like when Sam shared his testimony and shared God with me, I just opened up and I was very receptive to it. 
and uh, I was able to accept Christ uh, shortly after my uh, 22nd birthday. Have you trusted Christ as your Savior? Yes. And when was that? Last week. So you got saved last Sunday during the service. Yes, I did. Amen. So I want to show my kids what it means to make a commitment to God, and I want to show everybody else that I am running after Him with all I've got. Show that I care. Because I love Jesus, and he's awesome. So I can show everybody that I'm living my life for Christ to prove and show God that I love him. He knows me. I'm getting to know him uh, more and more uh, each and every day. And he's my Savior. I'm not ashamed to proclaim his mighty name. Amen. To show everybody that I have given my life to Christ, and I love him. Amen. Show everybody that I love him, and... Uh, to be the best role model I can for my child. Because I love Jesus and I want to show everyone that he's working in my life. I just want to tell everybody that Jesus is Lord and this is a representation of my faith. Um, I love Jesus. Yeah, God at work. And, uh, you know, baptism, hey, that's one way you can share your faith is, is just standing up and saying, here's where I'm at with Christ. But it's about every day spending time, real time with friends, just being transparent about what God's doing in your life. God's at work in this place. And dozens and dozens of lives coming to know him more real and more richly. And how about you? And then it's time to be proclaiming him with all we've got. Here's my request to you. Think of a name. Think of someone that God might be stirring you to be sharing with. Him we proclaim. See, that's a big part of the call of this church, is to be excited and on fire. Oh, we'll proclaim them from the front. We got that covered. Don't you worry about it. We will be bringing the word, and we will be bringing the truth of who Jesus Christ is. But nonetheless, his name needs to be brought to the streets, and that's through you. As you are on fire for him. And as you share your hope of him. Who? Who might be God asking you to proclaim him to? Think of a name. A family member. A friend. Coworker. Get that name written down. Like, Lord, I'm going to be praying for this person. A way. A means. Show me the opportunity. Bring it up. Maybe it's over a lunch. Maybe it's when they're at our house. Lord, help me to be able to proclaim with all I've got. To value the church and to value what he's doing with all of his called out ones. First, we need to be perseverant. Like, get ready. The struggles are going to be there. And second, we need to be ready to proclaim him with all we've got. Live him. Be excited about him. And share the truth of him with all we've got. His called out ones. Gathering corporately. 
once a week and then going out to the streets, man, doing life. Sunday afternoon all the way through Saturday night, you've got a job to do. It's sharing Christ on the streets, witnessing, letting him be known in whatever way that looks like for you to be able to touch another life with the truth of Jesus Christ, all right? To persevere and to proclaim. And third, participate. Participate to serve, encourage, and love one another. Reaching the riches of full assurance in Christ. To serve, encourage, and love one another. To reach the riches of full assurance in Christ. Participate. It's about being all in here. Okay? So let's just walk through this. We'll start in chapter 2, verse 1. He says, For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you, and for those at Laodicea, and for all who have not seen me face to face. Paul just kind of reiterating. I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you. I'm wrestling with it. It's tough. At times I hurt for you guys. And remember he's saying here, for those I haven't met face to face, and for those in Laodicea. Remember that name? When we were just going through the letters to the churches in Revelation chapters 2 and 3, and the last one was Laodicea. That's the church where Christ said, I'm going to spew you out of my mouth. You're lukewarm. I'd rather you were hot or cold, but you're luke. That's the one he's struggling greatly for here. Okay. He's in angst. He wants to see them grow. He wants to see them experience a richness. And while there is a remnant in Laodicea that's on fire, there's a lot of people hurting and missing it. And he's struggling for them, praying for them, wanting for them. He says, I have for you and for those at Laodicea and for all those who have not seen me face to face, that their hearts may be, here's our role in the church. Are you ready? To encourage, that their hearts may be encouraged, to being knit together in love, and to reach out to the rich, the riches of full assurance. To encourage, to come alongside of somebody struggling or hurting or wanting, and to say, you can do this, man, I'm here with you. To be praying for each other within a small group setting, and to be hearing something that's going on and saying, I've got your back on this one this week. I'm going to hurt with you. I'm going to hurt for you. I am praying for you. You call me anytime you have a need. I'm calling you Tuesday morning. I'm calling you Thursday morning to encourage, to be there for each other and with each other, to be knit together in love, knit together in love. Do you hear the metaphor? Like this interweaving, this interlocking that ends up creating a tightness and a closeness. And the fabric that's used is love. It's an all-out self-sacrificial care for those around you. To reach out with all you've got to the one next to you. Now hear me, in a church that's growing, and especially in a church that's growing fast, it can be easy to say, yeah, but I'm the new guy. They need to do that to me. The problem is, you might be sitting around 19 other new guys. If you don't start thinking, let's reach out together. If you don't come in and say, I get the DNA of what's going on. I see what Christ is calling us to in scripture, and I'm going to join in. All of a sudden, you end up sort of waiting back and saying, why aren't they doing that to me? And, and really, it's let's all together join in. When we lay back, it just starts a process where everybody starts laying back. He's asking us to be knit together in love, to join in and participate, to go after this. Hey, if you're new with us here, love having you with us, love having you be a part of this. And if you're in a hurting spot, we want to be pouring into you and helping you get through that. Okay. Help us know what hurts you're going through. Let us know what's going on. We want to be a part of that. And at the same time, 
We want you to be able to be reaching out to those around you and giving a little bit of the love that you've been experiencing through Christ and sharing that with those that you're meeting, that you're running into. All right? It's unbelievable how God has this plan that works if we just follow the simple of it. Knit together in love. Encouraging one another. And I love what he says here. He talks about reaching all the riches of full assurance. Full assurance can be yours. Doubts, gone. I'm not sure about this Jesus thing. And there's times where I wonder if I'm faking it. And, and, and it seems real at some levels. And then on another level, I wake up and I'm like, I don't know. I'm more wrapped up in my own world. And, and I'm telling you, full assurance can be yours. Well, where's it come from? Look what he says. The riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ. Here's the fix for a lack of assurance. Get to know Jesus better. Are you hearing it? Back to proclaim him, point number two. Like I'm telling you, show up in this place. Be a part of it as we're singing the great I am. And people have hands up all over the place and tears are streaming down. And and you're like, there's something real in this place. And God is moving in this place. And I want a piece of that, Lord. And and as you lay yourself open right there saying, I'm done with it, whatever it is, Lord. And, and, And all of a sudden he starts showing you something. And the veil is being pulled back. And you're getting pumped up. And you walk out of a service going... There's something different going on right now, and I can't explain it. That's what we're talking about. May you experience Christ to the fullest, and the riches of full assurance come pouring into your life, because there is nothing like knowing Him, and Him richly and fully. Amen? Man, get a little pumped up on that point. I'm telling you, we absolutely have the answer. It's our Almighty God. Do not go for assurance by taking a little trip down your little memory lane and looking inside the mind and trying to create the logic and, and now it's all about you all of a sudden. And that's where it gets less. It's all about him. And that's where it gets more. May we celebrate him with all we've got. May we lift his name up with all we have. He is our great I am and is the answer to full assurance. He says, in whom, this is Christ now, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. The world runs around trying to sell its peddled treasures. They're nothing. They spoil in a heartbeat. They're short-lived. They draw the physical eye, but they have no spiritual eternity in them at all. The treasures of knowing the almighty Messiah. Wow. Let him rock your world. Let him bring you to tears. Let him wake you up to a situation you're in that doesn't need to take your distraction anymore. You're done. Your eyes are now focused on him. I get it, Lord, and I hear you, Lord, and and I'm ready to participate with you, Lord, in this corporate body on fire for you. He says, I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. You got to love Paul. He's like, I'm telling you, people are coming along and they're selling their junk. And some of the junk, well, it's easy to identify. You're like, "Ah, that's a joke. But some of it, some of it sounds plausible. You know what plausible means? Like, given the circumstances that I'm aware of, that could be possible. Plausible. Right? Like, I walk in and I'm like, hey, did you hear? I just won the Miss Universe contest. Lord willing, you say that's not plausible. Right? 
plausible. It's got some sense of reason to it, given what I know and understand. But I'm telling you this, plausible also usually means then, if you've bought the things of the world, that you've lost some sense of who God is in it. And all you know is the world's circumstances, not who Christ is. He's saying, I'm telling you, I want you to know that those arguments are a joke. Don't get deluded by the plausible arguments of the world. Listen to the almighty Christ and be blown away by who he is. He has the answer to every single problem we're struggling with. He is our almighty God. Let's worship him with all we've got. He says right after it, for though I am absent in body, yet I am with you in spirit. Prayer is an amazing thing. Be praying for those you know and love. He says, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. If you ever want to know what two good adjectives should be put to the church, good order, firmness and faith. Good order, firmness and faith. How does that come? Christ first. Value the gospel, value Christ, value his church. We're sitting in good order with a firmness of faith and we can participate with all we've got going after this completeness where we worship, you know, showing up on a Sunday morning together, but more than that, throughout the week expressing it, where we walk, being a part of small groups or study groups or the marriage restore ministry and where, where we work, joining in and being an usher or a greeter or in the kids ministry or check-in or maybe helping out on a Sunday night in high school or Wednesday night with Awana or junior high and just pouring into what's available and letting God use you and and witness, proclaim him wherever he calls you, whenever he calls you, being that complete disciple of firmness of faith with good order as our amazing God is lifted high. That's what it looks like to value the church. May we celebrate him. Let's pray.